On this week's episode of Scale Up Marketing, I talked to Mike Waldrop, the Director of Pre-Sales Solution Architecture at Datastax, about the relationship between sales engineers and marketing. We talk about what sales engineers really need for marketing, why marketers should be out on the front lines, and why SEs make great product marketers. Enjoy. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. So why don't you just give yourself a quick introduction? Sure. So I'm currently Datastax. I have worn a few different hats, but basically different flavors of pre-sales leadership. One of the things about pre-sales, everybody has a different title for it. So for some reason, we call ourselves data architects instead of SEs, but it's the same idea. So yeah, pre-sales leadership, that's kind of what I've been doing for quite a while. It's what I like to do. It's good stuff. You were my boss's boss like 20 years ago. I know. I know. It seems like a long time ago. It was an unprecedented time then. I guess it's an unprecedented time now in a whole different way. But yeah. Yeah, fair enough. A long time ago. So what does a sales engineer actually do? Or sorry, whatever we call them. Solutions consultant, sales engineer, sales, data architect. What do you guys do? Yeah. So I've talked about this before. I think the great thing about pre-sales, it's it's right at the intersection of lots of cool things. It's right at the intersection of the product, the customer, the market and marketing and message and direction. You're right in the middle of all of that. So when I think when it's working well as a pre-sales person, you're a bit of an industry expert, you're a bit of a product expert, you're a bit of a how do businesses solve problems with technology expert? And then, you know, the, the, the phrases people use a lot that I believe are super important when you're talking about it is like trusted advisor and that, that, that person that can make a connection and a relationship with a user or at a company and help them figure out how to solve problems, right? So I know that sounds kind of vague, but all of that goodness, I think, is why, that's why I've always loved this role. I've, I've tried different roles, different parts of the organization. This is still what I love because you get to touch all of that different stuff, right? It's right where it all comes together. How do you get measured as an, as an SE? What do you get measured on? Yeah, so, it, 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 uh, you know, different places, it's been different. You remember, you know, when we worked together, we had very tight pairing between SEs and sales reps and territories. So, you know, between an SE and a sales rep, you kind of ran your own little enterprise within the organization. And then I, I love it. I've always loved it most when that was the case. And you could just be measured on revenue, right? It's revenue, it's revenue, it's revenue. World's changed a bit. Models are different. Customers are different expectations are a little bit different. So I still think revenue is, I mean, you're usually part of the sales organization, though lots of organizations these days have changed, right? So you see pre-sales more in the services line a little more often than we used to. So there is, you know, other things that you can measure people on, but I think, you know, in my current role, it's still primarily revenue-based and, you know, some levels of trying to measure you know, other contributions and, you know, from, from a comp plan, it's usually revenue, but from a, is this a great SE? It's usually some more fuzzy things that are a little hard to tie to a comp plan. Like, do they, do they make great relationships? Are they proactive? Do, are they trusted advisors? You know, some of those things that are a little more fuzzy. You as, a, as an SE and me as a marketer are measured on the same number revenue, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think it's really interesting I've had some people that move from a services role, a consultant or whatever, and that change can be very different to them, right? They they can feel very 
awkward about being measured on revenue. So, but people that, that you know, that you and I worked with, and especially when we were doing it back then, it was people that love to be measured on revenue. It's like the, <laughs> the art of the deal that, you know, going and doing that was really motivating. But, you know, in some companies now with a service-based company and things like that, it becomes a little bit more about things beyond just pure revenue numbers that that define a really great SE, I think. I think that's what I like about the shift in marketing. It, um, I don't remember this, but apparently back in the day, marketing would be measured on the quality of the trade show swag and you know, <laughs> yeah. how many martinis you could have between four and six. Yeah, and right. Marketing now is very much, I mean, for me, I'm measured on pipeline creation and, and ARR. And it, it's, it's very similar to how we used to think is, is individual contributor SEs. We were motivated by hitting our number and that was it. And yeah. you know, I can imagine a model where you comp SEs on demos or POVs or whatever, not being aligned to revenue would be a problem for me, for sure. Yeah. And it, like I said, most of the behavior, like if I look at a team and I say, who are the rock stars and who are the all stars? You know, revenue is certainly an indicator, but there's other things that I think are apparent when you're subjectively, you know, meeting with a team or meeting with a person, but sometimes hard to measure. But, you know, I think, I think given a lot of the changes in the industry, the changes in the market, the changes in the world lately, I know in my current role, we're a lot more focused on trying to be you know, externally focused and outside in, like what, what enterprises need, what, what are they trying to do and trying to really calibrate the SEs to be like, you know, worry about that problem and the revenue will come. So I think it's, it's definitely harder to measure, but it's, it creates a much better interaction model. I think, and I want to talk to you about how SEs and marketers work together. Yep. But the other big change, you know, one of the reasons why I was a good SE is because I would do whatever it takes to sell software. And that yep. meant the demo or presentation I had to give only had to ever be used once. The consulting team would scream at me after they saw it. <laughs> yeah. Our product doesn't do what Wentworth just showed. But, yeah. it, but in that era, in the perpetual software era, it didn't matter. My job was to sell somebody else's job to worry about the rest. And at the time, I was celebrated for being able to do that, and that's why shelfware was such a big deal. But right. now, as as an SE, you can't do you can't get away with that anymore. It doesn't do you yeah. any good if that deal churns twelve months later. Yeah, yeah. It, my my current company, we're very much a platform kind of sell, and it it's all about land and expand anyway. So even if it was a different model. Unless I get the expansion, I'm not going to win anyway. So if you're selling capacity or you're selling transactions or you're selling something that's land and expand, it's even harder. Like, as you said, you know, not only ARR based that they get to, we used to say in a previous company, every year is an election year, a customer can cancel the contract whenever they want. But it's also like, how do I get growth? How do I get more consumption? How do I get them to be more successful? And, you know, we talk about now, an enterprise that starts with a project and then they go to a program and then they go to a platform and all that. So, you know, that message, that marketing message that you take as an SE to your enterprise has to reflect that. And that can be tricky, but, you know, to your point about demos and things like that, I do think, gosh, in my world today, I, I had somebody ask me, they just started, they're like, where are the standard demos? And I'm like, what standard demos? I don't <laughs> know what that is. That doesn't really exist. 
and and the product that, that I'm working with now is sold on the whiteboard, right? So yeah, I need enough message to get the conversation. I need enough message to get somebody to show up and listen to me. And that's really the message that matters. Once you get past that, it's going to happen on the whiteboard anyway. All right, let's dig into that because that's really where I want to focus today. By the way, I yeah. land expand. My model was land and shelfware, land and shelf. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, so I'm you know I'm a marketer, and I know better. My job is to to tell you what to go do, Mr. Waldrop. I put this great pitch deck together. Why aren't you delivering? And you're on this whiteboard. Why aren't you delivering my pitch deck? Yeah. I've got the story nailed. I've rehearsed it. It's amazing. I built it myself. Why are you not out there giving my story? Yeah. It, more times than not, by the time an SE shows up, we're beyond the level of this thing might do something for me. They usually want to know how will it do it, right? So the perfect message usually gets me the why should I listen, but not the how do I get those benefits you talked about. So I'm all for alignment on the the context of the message. But in my opinion, there's never been a perfect slide deck. And in today's world, the attention span of somebody to sit there and look at a sequence of slides is very minimal. So I need something to grab the attention, something to get started, that message. And then the themes have to be aligned, whether or not you gave me the themes in a slide deck or we had an hour long conversation and you told me as a marketer, Hey, you know, the themes that are going to differentiate us are these three things. And, you know, here's the customers that prove that and whatever, getting that into my head is super important, but whether I use your slide or use a conversation or a whiteboard, you know, there's lots of ways to, to get that message across. That's really important for all the marketers out there to hear. So as an SE, what do you, how do you describe marketing? If I were to ask you, what's marketing do? What do you say? Yeah. So as I said before, it's certainly when you think of the, the if I'm going to call somebody and they don't know who I am, I'm not going to get to the cool part of the conversation where I could convince them. So they, they need to know who I am, you know, why I'm calling, what, what, what we're talking about, why it matters. Does, do I have some justification for my point of view, right? So one of the things we train SEs on is, it's great to have a point of view and you did this great all the time, right? You can show up with a point of view. Hey, Mr. Customer, this is what you should do. But in order for that to mean anything, I got to have some legitimacy, some work, you know, some reputation as a company that, Oh, this guy's not just one guy that sort of thinks about it. So there needs to be a message out there. It needs to capture that attention. So marketing helps me do that, uh, especially on the brand and, and, and kind of, you know, company marketing side. And then, you know, from a product marketing perspective, you know, they put tools in my toolbox and I need those, right? They put messages, they put competitive info, they put, you know, customer stories, references, all that stuff. They put all that in my tool bag and, I, and I'm going to have a hard time if I don't have some of that. What are your favorite tools? Like what's the, what do you like best? We're talking about product marketing specifically. <clears throat> what do you like yeah. best that you get from product marketing? If I got nothing else out of product marketing, I mean, I, there's lots of things that, that I like to get, but if I could only have one thing, it would be customer stories that I can tell. If I can tell customer stories and they're compelling, they have a point, they, 
uh, you know, ideally even have some numbers behind it or whatever. But if I got nothing else other than that, I'd feel pretty good. Right. So number one for me is when I'm standing there, the last thing people want to hear is speeds and feeds from me. So product marketing is going to help me ground that in stories of customers that I might not have worked with. I mean, that's super critical. And it's got to be more than just, hey, you know, customer X bought the product and and loves it. It's got to be some meat, right? ROI, real met- defensible metrics, right? Yeah, yeah, in the stories. And, and, you know, I know this is probably part of the conversation, but the people that go to product marketing that usually deliver the best tools for me did what I do. <laughs> and so they know my world. Don't skip ahead. Yeah. You skip it. You're going yeah. out of work. So if, if your favorite is case studies, what's the product marketers are busy. They got lots of things they got to do. What's the thing that they could stop giving you and you wouldn't care. The, from product marketing, ah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, you know, we don't do trade shows anymore. So all that's pretty much disappeared anyway. So, you know, that whole thing of here's the, here's all of that stuff doesn't really matter that much. Sometimes having a favorable Gartner view is helpful, depends on product and market. And so that's still pretty important, but well, the, they don't need to give you a pitch deck. They need to give you a whiteboard marker. Yeah. They, they need to give me the message and they need to give, well, me, not me, but through whatever you're using to do BDRs or whatever you call them to go get those first calls going. I need the, I need the opportunities to do my thing. Right. So yeah, I do need the leads, if you will, or the opportunities generated, but you know, that's kind of a a different piece of it, I guess, if that answers the question, but. You're saying case studies and and value-based metrics are the thing that you use the most. And all the other yep. all the other sales tools we produce are good, but you want more case studies. Yeah, generally that's been my experience. Now again, it depends on the product. Now there are some products where having a easily executed demo that really captures the imagination can be super important. So I don't want to diminish the value of that. I think that's a little bit unique to when you're in a platform, I'm, I'm selling a database now. There's not a database demo that anybody's ever seen that got them excited. It's, you know, it's it's technically impossible to make that exciting. But, you know, some other cases where a demo is going to be super important. One of the things we did when, when you and I worked together that I thought really worked well were really short multimedia content that just deliver a message. Yeah. Right. Not a demo, but a, here's a value point. Here's a, a, a capability that you should care about. And it's got to be like literally something that I can put in a link to an email and somebody will look at it and go, oh, I want to have a conversation, right? Yeah. yeah. I think those kinds of things are really, can be really very, very powerful. I have this hypothesis that marketing teams and SEs don't work as closely together as they should. From yep. your perspective, how do you think marketing could work better with the SE organizations that you've worked with and you've led? Well, so one thing about SEs is we have huge egos. So this is my ego speaking, but the first thing I would say is listen to my point of view Hmm. when you're putting the message together, right? SEs are on the ground. They're having the conversations every day. And while marketers that are looking at the market and the the top level have a, a point of view that's super important, 
the ground game that I'm participating in every day is going to add either color or context or correction to whatever it is that they're trying to bring from the top. So when marketing wants to hear uh, or wants to try something out and say, what do you think about this? I think we end up with a better product and a message and a whatever. So yeah, how do we work best together? Certainly when I feel like I'm part of helping contribute to the message. And, you know, I love to have marketing people that want to have customer context, hmm. right? So if if they want to meet with and show up on meetings with customers, I think that's great. They've done right. It is the right spot and it's the right conversation because I do like to, I, I think one of our jobs as SEs is to add the reality of the marketing message, both from yeah. getting the feedback from us, putting it in front of customers, that kind of thing. So I think all those things make it better. What is it? So if you want a product marketer, so you're open to having product marketers or marketers in general join you on sales calls. That's great. That's one of the things I encourage my team at Recorded Future to do is there's no better trial. It's easy to build a message in Google Slides. It's easy to deliver a message to your peers. It's even easy to deliver a message to the sales leaders. It's really hard to deliver a message live in front of people that you could look at, read their body language, hear their questions, see the message miss, and just go over them. So it's scary, but I think it's so important. What, yeah. what advice would you give a product marketer who wanted to, to get out there and start doing this in front of customers? Figure out, don't, don't feel too precious about the exact message in slide, right? So it goes back to the whiteboard conversation or whatever. You know, if, if you're going to deliver content as a marketer to a customer, that's great. Deliver it. But if it prompts a conversation, that's way more important than your slides. Right. So I have this with sales reps sometimes and other people. They're like, I got to get my message. I got to get through the slides. I'm like, I don't care if you get through the slides. If your first slide started the right conversation, we're good. Like, let you know, let the conversation go. So I think it's those dynamics. If you're not doing a lot of customer meetings, then that that can be new. Uh, to a marketing person and don't get defensive. Yeah. It's a great one. Right? You and I do this, have done this enough in the past where you can get beat up in a meeting and that can be okay. That's not the end. That's, that doesn't mean things are bad. Somebody starts, you know, poking at you and, and interrogating your message or your story or your demo or your product. That's not always bad. It can be painful, but um, if you're not used to it, it can feel really bad. <laughs> it's hard. There's two lessons. I mean, first of all, I was always accused before I even worked with you. The one thing somebody told me once is don't talk past the sale. Yeah. So I was this guy that would get so excited about my product that even though the customer had clearly bought off on whatever I was trying to say, but no, 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 wait a minute. We didn't go over here yet. Like there's more. Right. Don't talk past the sale. So that was sort of number one. But number two is I've been in meetings, I'm sure you have, where it's very clear the person in the room doesn't know what they're talking about, but yet the rep or the SE or both want to be the smartest person in the room. I've learned that you want to be the dumbest person in the room in some ways. You want to be as smart as you need to be to get them to say yes. I remember being in situations where their understanding of something I was talking about and it would be 75% correct. And I'd be like, no, that's exactly right. You got it. You're on it. I learned yeah. the lesson. It doesn't, you don't need to get to 100% to 
but often marketers again, you know, we we hang on so much. But no, my, but no, you're you're not quite getting it. Let me let me focus you here. Yeah, 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 and that's a great point. And I think it's also that same motion that makes you want to try to close the whole deal in the meeting when all you're really trying to do is get to the next conversation, the next level, the next, you know, unless it's a closing meeting, which is unusual, but you know, Hey, I I don't have to tell, I don't have to convince them of everything. I got to convince them they need to take the next step. And then, you know, all the cliches around people buy from people they trust, people buy from people, they're not buying a product, they're buying from people, you know, all that stuff applies here as well. Right. So if you're a marketer in a meeting, you're, you're not just selling the message, you're selling the company and the expertise and all that. And, uh, and part of that is listening when they start talking, because how many meetings have you been in where it just gets broadcast only and everybody's asleep? You know, nobody wants to just see a broadcast of a set of slides. Yeah, I think on a related point, I think if I were in sales now, I'd be miserable. I'd be terrible at it. I am not a good Zoom presenter. My <laughs> yeah. my special, whatever it is, does not work as well. It's hard. I miss the, the whole part of being able to fly around the country and present and all of that, you know, I think that's part I miss greatly. And, you know, maybe it's, someday it'll come back. Yeah, it's 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 really hard. And uh, although I've been surprised that more things got done than I thought remotely, but it's still hard when you're not, you know, because, you know, the best parts of the meeting usually, usually happen in the hallway before you walk in or on the way out when somebody's like, yeah, that guy's a real jerk. And you're like, yeah, I know, you know, or whatever. But yeah. So last question for you. So you've been a career, you've been a career SE. Mm-hmm. And as you're sort of, it's one of the rare, you're one of the rare career SEs that, that I know. And I want to know a little bit of the path because my path into marketing came through being an SE. I think it's something if, if I were a junior SE and I were listening to this podcast, I'd be thinking about, you know, my path and where I can go. Like what's, how do you describe the career path for the SEs that you bring yeah. up? Yeah, so it's always a tough conversation because uh, a lot of times I get a lot of SEs that are frustrated that there's not a well-charted course. Like, wh- what is the course? What do I do first? What comes after that? And then what's next? And it's it's very, it's very, it's quite varied depending on what you want to do. So, and I've done I've done a little bit of product management. I've done a little bit of other things enough to know that this is where I really want to be, but. What I usually try to do is say, don't tell me the job you want to do. Tell me what kinds of activities and, and satisfaction you get out of the different things that happen. Like, do you get satisfaction from customer interaction? Then you want to stay down a path that puts you in front of customers more. If you get satisfaction out of the technology, that's a different path. If you get, you know, if you're intrigued by, you know, making a better mousetrap, I think the people that I see that do really well going down a marketing path are the ones that really enjoy putting together the vision and elevating it. Right. So how do I, how do I take all of these 10 things that I know and put it into three sentences that cover all of it? And some people are really good at it. I've had a lot of people that have gone down a product marketing path. That's usually a very common place because that technical expertise is so useful and and you and a few others that have gone down even even other marketing paths, which I think is very cool. So yeah, I usually, you know, when the career path conversation comes up, what what are the things about being an SE that you like? Are you really just trying to get more money and more seniority, or do you want to do different activities and then try to use that to find a path? Right? Do you want to be a product expert? 
you know, there's usually some technical path that, you know, more product expertise. I want to be the biggest and baddest and bestest at some technical piece of it. Or do you want to do people leadership, right? So that's the most common career path challenge I've seen in the SE ranks is people assuming the next step is people leadership. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the presumption is if I want to move forward, I need to get an SE manager job or I need to get a whatever. And so I worked for you and then you moved on and I ended up leading the team that you had managed at one point. I hated being an SE manager. I hated dealing with the reps who would ask, I want this person, not this person. All those management and all the SEs wanting when am I going to become a principal? It's one of the reasons why I got into marketing. That path to me was a dead end. Yeah. Yeah. It's people assume that they're going to like it because it's higher up the chain. But again, that goes back to, Hey, what is it that you like to do? Let me explain to you what I know about those roles. Like, you know, remember, especially when you and I worked together, there was this, we worked with a lot of sales reps that made a lot of money. (laughs) People were like, Oh, I want to go do that. Like they don't, they don't have to build a demo and they get a nice big fat check and it was easy to ignore like the pressure, the, you know, and so I always tell SEs, I'm like, are you willing to get beat up for something you had very little control over? If your customer gets hit by a bus the day before closing, nobody says, well, you did a great job right up until the end and then you didn't get the deal. Right. So it's like that reality of that's the sales rep life and some people love it and do great at it. And, you know, those kind of things. But yeah, people management is, I think the the parts that people don't see, like if I'm a good SE manager and you're on my team, you don't see the ugly parts. Yeah. Well, that's, we've got a great one at Recorded Future and his job is to manage the metrics. And it's, it's, it is crazy how much more metrics there are now. I don't remember what my POV close rate was or yeah. any of the things that I think now we can measure at a much more granular level than we could ever do before. Yeah. Data-driven. It's Data-driven is tough. Right? We, we face that where I am now. It's it's tough to measure SEs purely on data, but it's a, it's a, it's a worthy goal for sure, but it's tricky. Yeah. Well, as we, to, to wrap this up, the data I think you and I can both agree on as a marketer, as an SE that matters is is revenue and i feel the same way and i felt the same way as an se when i would lose i remember the losses more than i remember the wins yeah i can still go back and think of the deals that i've lost because they are they were heartbreak i can't remember the deals i won except for the first one but i can remember (laughs) most of the losses yeah yeah definitely and i think you know, everything is good when revenue is flowing, right? There's no, you know, there's nothing bad about that for sure. So, and then, you know, I've always found it interesting. It's part of the interview process. I usually ask people about, about that, right? How do you, how do you feel about accelerators and how do you feel about stuff like that? Is that something that even crosses your mind? And if it does, then they're usually pretty sales oriented. Yeah. Thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Great perspective on the the sales engineer marketing relationship. 